Good morning. Um, as Timothy said, uh, my name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here at Christ Central. I'm glad to be with you this morning as we continue uh, in our series discussing and processing the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to jump right in, uh, and I'm going to say this statement. One of the most misleading phrases that we say is, such and such, or so and so, or this thing or that thing brought me joy. Uh, We've said it over and over again, only to be temporarily hyped up for a brief experience. And this experience or this pleasurable moment uh, sets us up to be utterly disappointed in the future. Although things and people and events and environments bring us some level of happiness, they do not have the origin of structure, the capability, or the overall makeup to bring us joy. And so our disappointment comes from trying to create something that we can't actually create. And when we've uh, experienced this, this time or this, uh, this creation, uh, we notice that we've attributed a power to finite things uh, with the hope that it brings us something that is actually infinite from the grace of God. This in itself also breeds frustration. Passage I'll be coming from is uh, John chapter 15, verses 7 through 11. And I ask as a custom that you join us by standing as we read God's word. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Isaiah says that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for allowing us to gather virtually today. Lord, I pray that our hearts and our minds would be open to hearing how we might be able to experience true, rich joy and erase and obliterate from our framework of thinking a cheap happiness and joy that we so try to create and desire. Help us to see that we only can find joy in you and that you give us gifts and you give us blessings that we experience um, some levels of happiness and joy, but ultimately, full joy is in you. Help us to see that and hear that and walk in that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So what is joy, right? That's the question I'm sure that most of you are asking at this point. What is this joy? And so I'll give you this definition from Aristotle. 
And he would define joy as, the, uh, as finding the ideal mean between excess of pleasure or satisfaction and pain and suffering. You know, I share this definition first because I believe that it is what we actually believe most about the word joy. But Christian joy comes from the same word of the original Greek as the word grace. Joy is the fruit of the Spirit. Joy is grace. You cannot earn it and you cannot create it. Joy is a direct manifestation of the work of Christ on the cross through the power of the indwelling Spirit. One commentator said that Christian joy and hope are closely related and that this relationship is what differentiates joy from secular happiness. And so I like to say that like joy is different from happiness because joy has gospel residue written all over it. And you know it's from God because joy is consistent no matter what is going on around you. If there is pain and suffering, joy can be present. If there is satisfaction and pleasure, joy can be there. And its after effects remain no matter the circumstances, whether it's pain or suffering or whether it's pleasure and enjoyment, the, the, the residue of it continues to be consistent. Because in joy, the residue of goodness and consistency is the same no matter what you feel, no matter what's going on around you, and no matter what is going on in you. I take it to some of the phrases and stories that we've heard in Scripture before. Joy says this. Joy says that I will never leave you nor forsake you. Joy says, come to me all who are weary. I will give you rest. And that's that gospel residue that I'm speaking of. Joy is when the wine runs out at the party, but Jesus is there. Joy is when your family comes over for the fish fry and you didn't buy enough fish, but people leave with an extra plate in their hand for tomorrow. Now, I said fish fry, but we know about that story about the fish and loaves in Scripture. Joy is comfort in a time of sickness or a time of loss. And so I'll ask you this question, and then I'll give you a quick answer, and then I'll give you an elaborated one. So can joy be manufactured? Quick answer is no. Joy cannot be manufactured. In fact, joy is a divine gift from the Spirit of God. It is a grace to me and a grace to you. And any attempt to, to try to manufacture joy or be the author of joy will fail because real joy is not from human thinking or human constructs, but of divine origin. And so since joy cannot be humanly manufactured, that means that the existence or of a construct or a system humanly created should not have direct impact on joy, right? But it also means that joy should not be based on circumstances or environmental opportunities. So I guess your next question might be is, well, Pastor Aaron, you're saying all these things about joy. 
and what it's not and what it should not be based on. But how come I feel like I experience joy when you fill in the blank? And so I don't want to invalidate your feelings, but I would like to say it may not necessarily be joy. It it could be uh, that you had a pleasure fulfilled. It could be that a need was met, an experience was appreciated, or an event was liked or pleasant, and those things are all valid, but they may necessarily, they may not necessarily be joy. At the most, in comparison to joy, I like to say that we experience this form of temporary happiness. And like an addict, we attempt to create over and over and over or find over and over and over this happiness. So what happens when we begin to try to be the creators of this happiness? I'll say this, when we attempt to manufacture our own happiness or joy, we trigger our own personal struggles with discontentment. I want to say that again, not for the people in the back, but for the people who are close to the screen and the people who are like me, who don't hear well sometimes. When we attempt to manufacture, however we decide to do it, happiness or joy, we trigger our own personal struggles with discontentment. Let me go to the passage, John chapter 15, verse 7. Jesus says this, that if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. See, we don't struggle necessarily with joy or our struggle doesn't have anything to do with joy. Our struggle is with discontentment. And our struggle with discontentment is actually a joy blocker. Because when we are not content, we don't see Jesus. Even if it is for a momentary time, which is all it takes, but that brief moment when we allow something that we don't have or something that we have not achieved distract us from Jesus, we become vulnerable. It often looks like this. Our marriage is, is not good enough. Our jobs are not good enough. I don't make enough money. I wish my husband or my wife did this. I wish my husband or my wife was this. I wish I looked like this. I wish my kids were behaving like this. If only my house had that. If only this car was able to do this or it looked like that. You see, I list these things, and there are more things that probably could be added to the list. The list is not exhaustive in any form. But I list these things because we are all tempted to find or create some level of happiness or joy from the list above. And it's not that these things are bad, but if they are not held in the proper place, these things are good, but if they are not held in the proper place, God has given us many of these things as gifts, but if they are not held in the proper place, 
they can distract us from the joy that is in Jesus. They can also tempt us to create our own ideal happiness and even joy. And while we're busy doing that work, we are distracted from abiding in Jesus. So you might say, well, what about complacency? And this, this, I'm not talking about that. I know we can sometimes compare contentment or discontentment with complacency. But I, I like to say this, that discontentment deals with the heart saying it's not enough. I'll never be satisfied. And complacency is different. Complacency deals with motivation. Complacency deals with the, the desire to grow and learn and be more. So, yes, you can be more. Yes, you can get a raise. And, yes, you can get a great job and a nice house. And still wrestle with being discontent. But Jesus says that all we have to do is abide. And so I don't want to just leave that word blank. What does it mean to abide, right? It sounds like an old King James version. And, and what I want to do is say that abide means that we need to be with him. Uh, we need to live with him. We, we need to follow his ways. We need to let him influence us. And by his influence, that we are led by him. There are promises there because when we abide, our heart begins to change. Our minds begin to change. Our prayers begin to align. So our spirit begins to change. He begins to hear us. When we are abiding, we are in his word. And we are focused on him. And more likely to be content, therefore more likely to experience joy. Hey, look, I'm not shooting shots at you. I'm taking shots with you. Uh, here, and here's what I'm saying. Happiness is often constructed as something to achieve, whereas joy, like grace, is something that you receive. I wish I could take ownership of that, but my brother Evan shared that knowledge with me, and I want to say that again, that happiness is often constructed as something we attempt to create or, or achieve. We want to create this environment or this marriage or this job that gives us happiness, and it fails, but then we experience truly gospel-rich joy as a gift. It is something that we sit back just like grace and we receive it. We can't work hard enough for it. We can't do enough right for it. We can't create enough for it. It is a gift. Now, if I'm honest, I struggle with this big time. And you can ask my wife, and, and she'll tell you, you know, oftentimes we talk about this thing called the love languages. And I came to grips that um, that whole book was written for me. I love all of them. You can't miss if you do all of them. I'll receive every form. But at the top of my list is gifts. Oh, I love gifts. Ever since I was younger, it didn't matter if I even know what I was getting. I still loved gifts. I would be overwhelmed. I can remember on birthdays and, and Christmas time, I would be overwhelmed with excitement 
lusting after different gadgets, devices, and tools. Couldn't wait to open the box and, and start using those things and seeing what I could create or how much pleasure or fun I could have. And deep down, I was hoping that it would bring me some type of joy or sustainable happiness, but it never did. If I'm honest, that sometimes after I opened the box and I had that experience, no matter what it was, something I really wanted or something I was just okay having, I actually was overwhelmed with dissatisfaction and disappointment because of the lie that I believed that this would make me happy. Anybody ever been there before? So much anticipation around this idea and so much anticipation around this event or this person only to open the box and be dissatisfied And so if we constantly seek things, adventures, people, environments, or events to bring us joy, we will continue to see dissatisfaction in our hearts and imperfections in our lives, and we will always worship the God of discontent. So what is the answer to our struggle with discontentment? Verses 8 through 11 help us to see something. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so, to prove to be, uh, and so you prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and, uh, and that your joy may be full. In order to understand the strong implications of this passage, we have to understand that this passage is a farewell letter to the disciples. Jesus is about to take on the sins of the world, be nailed to a cross, he is about to be shamed, he's going to die, and he's about to be buried for three days and then resurrected from the grave and be seated at the right hand of the Father with all power in heaven and earth in his hands. And so Hebrews tells us that we should not uh, be distracted. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, now, hey, don't be distracted. It doesn't say that in the passage, but it gives us a, a direction. And it says, look, you should be looking to Jesus. He is the founder and the perfecter of our faith, meaning he started it. He's the perfecter, meaning he did it better than anybody else. And so our eyes should not be distracted, but our eyes should be looking to him. This is a part of that abiding. We're not getting away from that. We are allowing him to influence us. And so Jesus, we should be looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. 
I don't want to just blow by that. There's some phrases in there that, that we need to be looking at, not just looking at Jesus, but what actually he accomplished. He, it said that he's the author and the perfecter of our faith, but it says that who for the joy that was set before him. So, so now we have joy set before him. Because of this joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. That's huge. Earlier I said that, that joy and and, and hope are, 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 are closely related. These are, these are cousins. Uh, it's hard to have biblical joy and not have hope. Jesus, who the joy that was set before him endured the cross, the pain, the shame, the suffering on our behalf, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of God. Jesus gives us an example to look at that joy is present no matter the circumstances. He's facing his father turning his back because of the sins of the world. He's facing shame. And he goes on to say in John, these things I have spoke to you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, the father is glorified. He says something here, and I want to grab your attention for just a moment. It says, if you abide in me, right? We said that earlier, that abiding is influencing and being led and following and being with Jesus, letting him lead you. He said that if you do this and my words are in you, the Father is glorified. That's worship. And you will be a beast of a fruit-bearing disciple. That's spiritual formation. And you will show others and prove to be my disciple, and that's mission. And so God gives us this framework of how we ought to be living. And, and at Christ Central Church, that's, that's how we ought to be living in our community. That's how we ought to be living and serving. We should be glorifying in the Father, worship. We should be bearing fruit and being disciples, engaged in spiritual formation. And then we should be showing others, not like just intentionally showing, but people should see, should see the aroma of Christ on our lives. Therefore, we are disciples, and people will see that, and we will be on mission. His joy, his joy will be in us, and our joy will be at full capacity. This is not just some weak little happiness. This is biblical joy. It's not a fragile joy. It's not a joy that is easily broken. It's not a joy that is fickle. This joy is strong. This joy is determined. This joy is enduring. Remember Hebrews said that he endured the cross because of the joy that was set before him. It stands in trial and it celebrates reasonably in victory. This joy that is from the indwelling spirit of God is a joy that is always available. It is a joy that is present in times of suffering and pain. It is a joy that is present in times of pleasure and happiness. It is not dependable upon a situation or circumstances. It has nothing to do with vibes or energy, and you don't have to protect your peace to have this joy. All you need to do, all you ought to do, all we should do, do 
is allow his word to abide in us and us abide in it. And Jesus says this. He promises this to us. That if we abide in him, the joy that we so desire, that we will have this joy. And that this joy will be in full capacity. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are grateful for an opportunity to hear your word. We're thankful that you provide us a joy that never ends. We are thankful that your joy is present in any circumstance. We are grateful that we are able to experience these levels of happiness, but God, help us not to confuse this momentary happiness and pleasure that we feel that are gifts sometimes that you give us to maybe even lead us into a place of joy seeing you. Help us not to forget that true joy, that gospel joy, that deep, unbreakable joy is rooting is rooted in us abiding in you. Help us to see that when we become distracted with trying to manufacture and create our own joy and happiness. Therefore, wrestling and continuing to struggle in our hearts with discontentment. Help us to be like Paul, who knew what joy was because he said this phrase, I'm learning how to be content because I've had a little bit, I've had a lot, but I know that God will supply all my needs. In Jesus' name, amen.